Today's Thursday, July 21st, and you're listening to Understanding Christianity's mini-podcast, Strength for Today, through the book of Philippians. We are in Philippians chapter 4 today. So we're in the final chapter of the book of Philippians. Let's just read together verses 2 through 9. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask also you, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Paul introduces two women, Euodia and Syntyche. And we really don't know who these two women were. And we don't know what the actual issue was that was in the church. But Paul begs them. He literally entreats them to agree in the Lord. It's interesting. The word agree there is to have the same mind. It's back in chapter 2, verse 2. Complete my joy of being of the same mind. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is Christ Jesus. Verse Chapter 3, verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. In other words, he's saying, listen, I've talked all along about having the same mind, about being unified, about thinking the same way, having the thoughts of Christ. And these two women, Euodia and Syntyche, they need to agree in the Lord. It's gotten so bad that Paul asks for a mediator, literally a a yoke fellow. Yes, I ask you also, true companions, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers. Um, We don't know who this yoke fellow, who this mediator was, but some scholars suggest his name is Syzygus. Now, the issue here was probably not an issue of heresy or immorality. If that were the case, it would probably require total church discipline by elders in the church. Probably, we don't know, but it was probably a petty thing between these two women that got out of control. And we don't know. We have to speculate. But we can think about situations in our own church context, whether it's men or women. I'm not picking on women. It's just there's these two women in this story, in this, in this context. But as a church and as Christians, we always need to be on guard against gossip, slander, backbiting, and division. Here's the thing. How would you like for your name to show up in the Bible and all that was known about you was that you were a troublemaker causing problems in the church and you needed a mediator to come between you and another person? Now, you may not always agree with your pastor. You may not always agree with some of the decisions of your elders and leaders. Or you may not agree with the decisions that your church makes, and that's fine. We're called as a church to be unified, not always unanimous. It's it's Pollyanna and immature and and naive to think that there's never going to be differences of opinion in a church on secondary issues, maybe matters of preference. 
Now, when we talk about dogma issues, we, that's a whole different story because we're talking about theology and, and essentials of the faith. But we're talking about secondary issues, things that may be decisions of preference. And so when you think about your life as a Christian in your local church, one of the marks of maturity and growing in Christ is how you handle conflict in church life. Too many times I've seen believers gossip, spread rumors, wreak havoc, instead of going directly to the other person and gently confronting them in Christ. If someone comes to you and begins to gossip about another person, I challenge you to silence them and tell them that you will have no part in the conversation. Now, Paul addresses this in Ephesians. So let me read to you Ephesians 4, 25 and following. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. It's interesting here in the Ephesians passage, Paul says that it grieves, literally grieves the Holy Spirit of God when Christians gossip, lie, spread rumors, don't forgive, backbite and devour each other instead of showing kindness, compassion, patience, and humility. And so don't be a Euodia or a Syntyche. Again, we don't know what the issue was between these two women, but they were not agreeing and there had to be a mediator to come to help these women to get along. Now, in verses 4 through 9, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is about peace, joy. Paul repeats the, the command to rejoice twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Again, this whole theme of joy coming through the book of Philippians, it's the main theme, having joy in the gospel. And he says, let your reasonableness, verse 5, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Reasonableness. It's really a hard word to translate from the Greek language. It really means gentleness or graciousness. And Paul's saying, listen, in light of the second coming, Christ is coming back. There's these false teachers. These two ladies aren't getting along. You guys need to be gracious and gentle and give a positive testimony to a watching world. Go back to chapter 2, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling and questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul's saying your not getting along is going to affect your testimony and so these two ladies need to get along 
You all need to be reasonable. You all need to be kind. You all need to be gentle to one another because it's affecting your testimony. Let it be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Jesus is coming back. Your citizenship is in heaven, not on earth. So act like it, Paul's saying. But then Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be anxious. This is the whole idea of prayer. Go to Christ in prayer. By everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And so when we go to God in prayer, um, we plead with God, we ask with God, or ask God as needy children. Um, we, we don't give information to God that He doesn't have. He, he, it's, it's okay to go to God with our problems. But Paul here says, don't be anxious. Jesus also tells us, don't be anxious. Pray. Ask God. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. One thing we don't see in this passage is how and when God answers prayer. All it says is that we will experience peace. Now, God may not answer our prayers in the way that we think He should have. He may not answer our prayers in the timing that we think He should have. Only God knows best. But regardless of the circumstances, He does promise to grant us this unusual peace, this peace that passes understanding, this peace that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard, again, is a military term. Paul keeps using these military terms. It implies keeping duty. Peace stands on duty to keep out anything that would bring care or anxiety. What are you anxious about today? What's lying heavy on your heart? What burden consumes your thoughts? Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5 to cast our cares upon Christ because He cares for us. So if you have some anxiety, if you have a situation where you're not getting along with another believer, maybe it's to the point where you need to have a mediator, or maybe you're just really struggling with something, Paul gives you permission to go directly to God in prayer through Christ. Don't be anxious. Go to Him in prayer. And God will grant you that peace. It will guard your heart and mind. He may not answer it in the way that you want, but God is sovereign. God is good. God will take care of you. God started the work. He will complete the work. And so would you come today and cast your cares upon Christ because He deeply cares for you. Whatever it is that's on your heart, Cast your care upon Christ, and the peace of Christ will guard your heart and mind. Today is Thursday, July 21st. You've been listening to Understanding Christianity's mini-podcast, Strength for Today. We will be back, Lord willing, tomorrow to finish up this week as we continue through the book of Philippians. Until next time, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus.